In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It doesn't get any better than this. A beloved aunt of mine would predictably say this during family gatherings or when she had the good fortune to be in one of her favorite places on earth, doing one of her favorite things, or eating one of her favorite foods, or drinking one of her favorite drinks. Perhaps I'm a little bit of a pessimist, but I thought she should aim higher. For me, perhaps it's my personality, but I find myself exaggerating in the opposite direction. When things are bad, I end up saying, it doesn't get any worse than this. Have you ever found yourself saying this? Everyone's rock bottom in life is different, but we each find ourselves there at some point. It might be the sudden death of a near and dear one, or a financial situation that has spun far out of our control. It could be an unsought-for illness that has consumed all of our resources, emotional, mental, physical, financial. It could be the sickening realization that that sin, that particular one, has once again reared its ugly head. It could be the worst depths of addiction, our own or that of someone we love. Well, it can't get any worse for the blind beggar in our gospel lesson for today. There are a few things to observe about him. First, unlike some who are miraculously healed by Jesus and then go their own way, this man gets up and follows Jesus into Jerusalem, where Jesus will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, who will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Those are Jesus' own words earlier in the gospel. Bartimaeus followed Jesus at the darkest moment in Jesus' life. That blind man became a faithful disciple. He followed him, and we know that he was still following him years later because Mark gives us his name. His name is Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. By giving both names, Mark is essentially giving us his first and last name. In that day, it was like saying, Richardson, Richardson. Mark is giving a shout out to this first century believer in the church that received his gospel. Bartimaeus' faith stuck. He got up and followed Jesus, and he was still following him over 30 years later when Mark wrote his gospel. Another thing to observe about Bartimaeus is that as a blind man in that day and age, he had absolutely no resources. Without the ability to see, he was not able to work in any capacity. 
which means that he couldn't contribute meaningfully to his family's economy, except by resorting to begging. He was dead weight. In addition to this lifelong burden, many would have made the theological assumption that his suffering was caused specifically by some sin of his own or of his parents. We see this belief at work elsewhere in the Gospels with the blind man in John 9. Bartimaeus would have been shunned in religious circles, kept out of the temple and away from the nearness of God, avoided by good upstanding people everywhere. What a pitiful, helpless creature. He was completely isolated, not just in physical darkness, but also in alienation from God and from other people. It can't get any worse than this. There Bartimaeus is at rock bottom. But the beautiful thing about rock bottom is that there's nowhere to go but up. Bartimaeus needs help so badly that when he hears that Jesus of Nazareth approaches, he calls out loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. He is shushed, but he's desperate enough to persevere. And he calls out again, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's aware of how bad his condition is. There's no denial or delusion that blinds his eyes to his own state of being. He might be physically blind, but he has insight and honesty that then manifest themselves in the wild hope that this might be it, that this man might be able to save him, to change him, to fix him. Not only does Bartimaeus have insight into his own condition, but he has clear sight about who Jesus is and what he can do. He uses the title, Son of David. And this is the only time in Mark's gospel that we hear this messianic title used. And in addition, this is the only time that a bystander, a complete stranger, has made such a clear proclamation of Jesus' lordship and messiahship. Peter made a similar proclamation earlier at Caesarea Philippi in chapter 8. He says, when asked, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ. Peter makes a clear proclamation about who Jesus is. Matthew records that Jesus then exclaims, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter was alone among the disciples and possessing this insight, and he only had it because of supernatural intervention. So we could say that this blind beggar also knows who Jesus is only because God has revealed it to him. He is blind, but he's been given spiritual insight that he could not have had on his own. Do you see the irony? The blind man, though blind, sees clearly the truth about himself, that it can't get any worse than this, that he desperately needs help, and the truth about Jesus 
that Jesus has the power to help him. In John chapter 16, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world concerning sin and to guide us into all truth and to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is clearly at work in the insight and revelation of this blind man. For us, too, any insight that we gain into our own spiritual state and into Jesus' identity is also a gift from God, derived from outside ourselves. It's not pretty when we're left to our own devices of discernment apart from God. And Jesus recognizes this when he speaks to the people of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, saying, You say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. On our own, we are blind. Last week in his sermon on the passage preceding this, Joe Gibbs talked about the fallen human tendency to cloak ambition in kindness. Thank you, Joe. Well, I'd like to add that we all too often lack the ability to recognize our own need, whatever that need might be. The Massachusetts transcendentalist Ralph Waldo Emerson was building off of the Puritan stiff upper lip when he sang that hymn to himself in his essay, Self-Reliance. There, Emerson wrote, Trust thyself. Every heart vibrates to that iron string. Well, Emerson was wrong. He was relying on his own devices of discernment. Perhaps we've also internalized that British war saying, keep calm and carry on in the midst of our crises and trials, in the midst of sin and suffering, when we come to the end of our rope and the bottom of our resources. But as we do so, when we rely on our own selves, we fail. On our own, we are truly blind, blind to our own sin, blind to our need for God, blind to Jesus' identity as the only one to save. Only the Holy Spirit can open our eyes to our spiritual condition, enabling us to say with conviction, it can't get any worse than this. And only the Holy Spirit can open our eyes to Jesus' mighty power to save. It might be that you don't relate to this talk about hitting rock bottom, seeing yourself at the end of your spiritual resources. Perhaps you don't feel that it's that bad. Well, the only thing to do then is to ask God to open your eyes to see yourself as you really are. That itself is a gift of mercy. And when our eyes are opened, then like that blind beggar, we cry out to Jesus, have mercy on me. The word in Greek used by Bartimaeus is eleison. Does it sound familiar? Kyrie eleison. We just said it, and we say it every Sunday in our prayers. Lord, 
have mercy. And so we say, Lord, have mercy on us, poor, pitiable, blind, empty-handed beggars. Amen.